You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 and 7 p.m. It's Eastertide season, and so we have been thinking about how the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. That's why Rand and Jimmy made us these um, windows of light so we could, uh, they're symbolizing like getting a, getting a glimpse into that light-filled world where the resurrection of Jesus actually cha- makes a difference and changes things. Um, and I was thinking um, with our story tonight, one of the things that the resurrection of Jesus might change is the labels that we put on ourselves or that others have put on us um if you think about it it starts like really really early in life like think about what other kids what your classmates used to say about you like how did they was there a nickname you had or like how did they how did they um categorize you with or without saying it for me, it was kind. Of, it was kind of along the lines of like being put in the like goody two shoes category. I don't even know where that dumb phrase came from, but um, doing the right thing, whatever that means, or having it together. And I think while that was affirming to me in some ways, it also was kind of isolating, kept me from knowing my needs and being vulnerable. And I think that's what labels do. So our Bible character for the week got labeled Doubting Thomas. Um, And I'd like to propose to you right off the bat that although that was, it was true about him that he doubted Jesus in this moment right after the resurrection, that the, the resurrection of Jesus did actually change him. Even, and even his doubt and his skepticism revealed this great desire to go deep with God that I think that we all have. He actually wanted to connect with God so badly that he was afraid it wouldn't happen. I think that's what his doubt was about, and probably ours too. We actually know on some level that we really want and need to connect with God We want to have a real life, like face-to-face, heart-to-heart connection with others and with God. Um, Maybe even like a transcendent experience, like I think Thomas had in this moment. But we're not, we're we're just not always sure how how to get it. And so it sometimes feels less risky to not go after it. But I think that Thomas actually went after it by voicing his doubt and his skepticism. And so I I hope that's one of the things um, we take away from this little story. That we can voice our doubt and our skepticism. Let Let me read it to you with a little bit of context added. Now, now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus first came. And so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. 
A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are you, like those of you sitting here, blessed are you who have not seen and yet have believed. I think Jesus is giving us in this generation generation a shout out right there. But Thomas wasn't around the first time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after his death and resurrection. And so he just heard this from the other guys um, and women. And I think when he heard them going on about it, he was like, I'm not, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying this whole thing. You guys just want this a little too much. Uh, maybe you saw somebody who looked like him or something, but unless, unless I can actually touch those nail marks and, and, and put my hand in that side that was pierced, I'm not buying it. That was a pretty big demand. I think he, he was making this demand for this like epic moment or experience with God this demand for a big outcome. And this is how, you know, he gets the label. He gets the bad reputation from this moment. But again, I think that he was expressing some ambition to actually connect with God, some ambition that we all have to have that, like, real live connection that um, changes your life, like that encounter that you'll never forget. He wanted that, and I think that's okay. And I think Jesus thought it was okay by how he responded. I think Jesus saw his deeper desire for a real life, a real life, not just some padded religion. So when he comes into the room again a week later, he goes straight to Thomas, and he says, here you go, buddy. Put your hand right here. I knew what you were thinking and saying and wanting even when you thought I wasn't around. It kind of cracks me up to think about Thomas's um, like first reaction in that moment. Like, did you ever say something out loud that you really didn't want somebody else to hear, but they heard it anyway? I know I've done that. Thomas is really kind of busted in this moment. But Jesus knows that that what he's really asking is a lot deeper than his um, challenge. And so it doesn't surprise me that Thomas responds with one of the most affirmative expressions of Jesus' deity in the whole Bible. He, He says, my Lord and my God. He's not only affirming who Jesus is, he's like claiming Jesus for himself. 
I think he really get he gets something in this moment with Jesus. Um, the love and understanding and acceptance for him, and uh, this message that that the impossible just happened. I feel like Jesus is saying, yeah, I know it's completely impossible what just happened, but it happened because that's what I do. I do the impossible. I, I was thinking, as I thought about this story this week, I thought, you know, it's probably worse to never make the big ask of God, to not be honest with our doubts and desires for connection um, and transformation in our lives. And to just instead, like, accept the way things are in the world and um, squash our desire for transformation. Jesus was affirming Thomas's desire. And I think if Thomas had squashed that instinct or kept it to himself, um, like, like we often do inside, like we can never hope for anything more because we have bad luck or we're not qualified or whatever it is we tell our, ourselves unconsciously about asking for more. Um, Thomas didn't do that. If he had done that, he might not have had this moment with Jesus. I think moments like this can be like turns on our journey. I don't know if you've ever gone hiking and just built one of these little markers. Um, I especially like the ones that are, those are all like nice flat stones, but I've seen them on trails that look like they're like, they're going to topple over because they're all different weird shapes, but somehow they're staying on top of each other to, to mark something significant for someone. Like you might, you might build a cairn because you're, uh, you like the view right there, or um, you're leaving something behind, or um, you want to remember how far you've come. But it's about making this visual sign that something happened. And I can kind of count on one hand in my life. I don't know about you, but I can count on one hand in my life the times that I've had kind of this vis this visceral, like, encounter, like, this kind of epic moment with Jesus that, like, Thomas had. Um, I don't think they happen too often, but they do strengthen our faith when they happen. And I need to look back and remember, yeah, that happened. These thin places with God don't happen all the time, but they do build our faith if we mark them. One, um, one Karen moment like this happened this week in my cell meeting. Well, it didn't, it didn't happen in our meeting, but my friend Claire in our cell told, told me that I could tell you this story. Um, she started telling our cell that uh, her her Lyft driver was like Jesus, and she doesn't always talk like that, but she said, I want to tell you a story about when Jesus was my Lyft driver this week. And she described um, being really stressed about her job. She has a big, stressful job in a hospital as an administrator. And so she got a Lyft home one night, 
and she got almost all the way home. The guy, the guy didn't stay much, but he was nice. And uh, she got all the way home when she realized she forgot something at her job. And so she asked the driver, hey, can you drive back? back to my work I gotta I gotta pick this thing up and he was really nice about it but um the thing that she wanted to tell us was that he was just radiating this like peaceful presence and she almost couldn't describe it but she said he had this music on in the car that sounded like worship music and it was in another language so she didn't know what she didn't know what it was saying but the but this guy had this presence that by the time she got back home to her house, she just didn't feel stressed at all anymore. And she had this sense like, God is with me and I'm going to be okay. And she didn't know what that was all about. She was trying to process it with, with us in the moment, but she knew it was connected to the presence of Jesus and it was for her in that moment. Like she felt like Jesus was like reaching out to her and trying to say this specific thing just to her, like you're going to be okay. It was a, it was an encounter moment. It was, it was a little Karen moment. I had a moment like that in my life when, um, I was, I was actually being a little demanding with God like Thomas was. Um, I, I was wondering, I was, I, was hearing, I was hearing from God that, and from others that God wanted me to be a, a church planter, but I was feeling like, God, you're going to have to show me some other women church planters. Like, you need to show me at least one woman who's, like, actually doing it in order for me to say yes. Um, I thought that I needed, um, I, I wasn't demanding because I like being demanding because I don't, but I was afraid that it wasn't possible. And Jesus kindly heard me because somehow I, I found out about this uh, conference for women clergy in the Rocky, in Rocky Mountain National Park, and I went. Um, and although it was expensive and I had young kids at home, I thought I should go and see if Jesus would actually um, show me a woman church planter and enable my yes. And if not, at least I would have this great retreat in the Rocky Mountains and get to hang out with moose and everything, which I did. I didn't find a woman church planter at that conference. Um, I met a lot of associate pastors and children's pastors and co-pastors all those being very cru crucial things to do in the world but not this proof of possibility that I was looking for from God but Jesus came to me there in my little room of doubt and said I'm gonna make a way for you I'm gonna take care of my church I'm going to forge the way myself, like I already did on the cross, by the way. And you don't need anyone else to prove it to you because that really wouldn't be enough for you anyway. And he was right, and I believed him. And I, I think all those faithful women around me at this conference kind of created the environment for me to believe him. And I often return to that promise in my heart like a, like a cairn on the journey. 
So I hope that you've had one or two of those moments of of encounter in your life where you sense the presence of God with you, like for just you in a particular way. But if not, don't despair because the main point that I want to make here tonight is that although those special experiences can can deepen our faith, I think the way to really get deep is to commit to regular, the regular seeking and serving. The way to really get deep is to commit to regular seeking and serving. And I know that doesn't sound as sexy or as interesting, but it's true. Thomas couldn't, he couldn't keep living in that epic moment with his hand in Jesus's side. He had to go do something with that. He had to express it. He had to share it. You know, we know from his life in the early church, he had to develop a whole um, life of prayer and service. You know, when you build a cairn, you have to keep moving on the trail. You can't stay there in that one spot. And I think the same is true for us. So organizing your life around those calls and promises and moments of connection with God is way harder than having like a lovely, epic feeling kind of moment. But it yields better fruit if you stick with it. So our conviction as a church is that we are meant to go deep with God. And I think it comes with some specific practical ways to do it. We keep collecting these Proverbs over the years, and I thought we may as well look at them all under this conviction tonight because you all are those kind of deep people. The first one there is to have a full relationship with God. One must live in an environment where worship can be learned. The spiritual disciplines gained and the spiritual warfare taught. Some of you could really talk about that one. Um, but I think that's like getting to the Sunday meeting. It's a, it's a discipline. You guys know this. It's not easy. You have a lot of other things to do. And even if you don't have a lot of other things to do, there's a lot of good stuff on Netflix. And if we're just assessing the meeting for the experience, you know, it's probably not that great. The spirit of God in the people who make it makes it what it is. And that's why I think it's important to show up. You create the meeting. We create it together. Prayer is the key to fulfilling our mission of transformation. This is, we, we really can't get away from this one. Unless we have an inner life with God where we're communicating, or at least trying, we won't know or trust him or have the guts or the instinct to ask for what we need. So along those lines, solitude and silence are crucial tools for experiencing God's presence. I think this is a hard one because our world is so noisy and, you know, we have so many ways to be distracted. And so we'll have to do something different if we're going to develop an inner life. I think we can use our meetings to have that time. I try to take quarterly overnights like away from my family to have some real 
alone time with God. Um, you, you probably have other ideas, but I think the key is to make it a ritual, a regular thing. Because we can't live off those epic experiences or even of the, the search for one. Without worship, a person shrinks. So worship happens all the time, right? We're always worshiping something or someone. And we have the opportunity to focus it on Jesus in this, in this meeting and in our cell meetings. Um, and I'm not talking about singing songs. I'm talking about being part of one and, and showing up. And I was hearing this week um, about deep people saying that they're going to take a break from cell. And I was, I was a little confused about that phrase uh, as it applies to mission. I mean, I can appreciate that the cell movement requires being poor in spirit, as Jesus recommends. And I think that is really countercultural and difficult for successful and privileged 30 and 40-somethings in particular. So some of, some of you might have to do it purely for others, and I think that could be the place of transformation too. I really love this next one. Accepting failure and moving on in hope is basic to living in the grace of God. Um, none of us, we all know, none of us are going to live perfectly obedient lives, and thank goodness God is bigger than that. We have a God who calls us to stand in grace always. That is the firm foundation on which we stand. We stand in grace. And I think we really just waste time when we're stuck in shame and self-loathing. And then how we relate sexually is a spiritual communal matter and can't be reduced purely to a discussion of private expression or individual rights. This is a spicy one that could be like a whole sermon. Um, but I think, I think the gist of it, um, well, I mean, sex stuff and God stuff are so closely related. So that's why it goes under this conviction that we're meant to go deep with God just can't extract those two um but i think the gist of it is that just of it is that a regular life of god seeking shows us that we really matter like as as whole selves all parts of us really matter so what we do with our bodies is part of that it really matters and we can either build community um or tear it down with our choices here but Mark my words, it's not just a private thing. I think that's one of the biggest lies that our culture tells us, that it's just a private, individual choice. I think what Jesus shows us is that it actually, our choices actually do affect people around us. So finally, as the world pulls us towards virtual, we will keep struggling to live rooted in real time. And that's that, I think, sums up the incarnational nature of all of this, why we're doing all of this. It's because God comes to, comes 
into our flesh and blood world. As messy and complex as it is, and as we are, like this is the place that Jesus comes. This is the room that Jesus comes to. Not just this room, but the room that is you. This is the room that Jesus comes to with the gift of his presence. So one last image for developing this like regular life with God. Um, I love the, the, well, I love tomatoes. Um, and I was thinking that today that without the trellis, the, this, this like structure of a regular life with God is kind of like the trellis that the, the tomato plant of our faith can grow on. We need some structure, um, some regular stuff in place. Um, the tomato of faith will die because it needs something to hang on. Our faith needs a regular place to grow. So, so we share our time, our hearts, our money to have a meeting space, to, to develop these rituals of like a life together so we can have these touch points for God's work. We're creating the environment for the, for the spirit to move. These epic moments of, in, of encounter with God might happen, and I hope they do. But I think the regular everyday work is what makes us the deepest. Let me pray for us, and then we'll talk back. Lord, I, I thank you for these little stories of you in flesh um, in the scripture that, especially this one, reminding us that doubt is a part of faith and we should voice it, we should talk about it with you, that you actually care, that you're on the journey with us that you're available to us um, and you're leading us into this place of transformation that really keeps on changing the whole world. So I ask that we would have these moments of life-changing encounter with you, but even more so, Lord, that we could build this trellis of um, regular rituals and community where we have a safe place to develop and grow and for others to do that too. Help us to keep creating that environment for transformation with you and trusting you to keep doing that in us, even on a holiday weekend. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.